Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hello, welcome, and thank you for listening to or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I'm Sturdy McKee, a business coach and advisor, and I'll be your host for the podcast. Um, today, I'm very pleased to bring you Dr. Susan Clinton. Dr. Clinton is co-owner of Embody Physiotherapy and Wellness near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Embody Physiotherapy specializes in women's health and persistent pelvic pain. And she also provides professional education to healthcare providers and is a health and wellness coach. So thank you very, very much for being here, Dr. Clinton. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So will you please tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure, sure. Um, I've been a PT for a very long time, um, over 40 years, and uh, I've been through many parts of physical therapy. I started off in acute care uh, during the 80s, so the first pandemic, which was the AIDS pandemic that I was, you know, that was a big change for body substance isolation and a lot of sure. different things happened in the 80s that I think a lot of newer therapists don't really know about. They think we always were that way, but we weren't. Um, and then um, I spent a lot of years in neuro rehab and then moved into um, outpatient care at a university level for a while. I moved up to Pittsburgh um, in 2006 after the hurricane in New Orleans. And we I worked for a large healthcare corporation here and decided uh, eight years ago with my partner to flip and to open our own practice. And we were a new enigma in the area because nobody has ever opened a concierge type uh, practice here in the Pittsburgh area when we did. Um, so we were the new ones out of the, bo- out of the box and uh, everyone told us we wouldn't make it, that we would fail. It would never work in Pittsburgh. <laughs> People were too dependent upon their insurances. And um, since we've opened, there's probably about maybe 10 or 12 concierge practices, if not more in the area now. So um, people have figured out that it does work and you can survive and not only survive, but thrive and have a really great uh, business practice that isn't dependent upon insurance reimbursement. And so it's been a lot of fun. We've been really intensely happy since we've opened and we feel like we're serving our clients on a completely different level than we were in the corporate healthcare world. Well, uh, well, and to put a finer point on it, basically, you're setting your own price point. Yes. And letting the market decide whether that's valuable or not, not some third party, be it insurance or government or somebody else telling you what you're worth. Exactly. That, 100%. Yeah. And that was that was the probably the scariest part of starting out, mm-hmm. you know, because I think as as um, physical therapists, we're all in it because we want to serve. You know, so there's always that that piece to come around and get around, which is the I you know the 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 difficult. I don't want to say difficulty. The uh, it's more of a reservation of 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 putting a price point out there and asking people to pay it. I think for physical therapists, it kind of almost sounds like I should just be giving this away. <laughs> Although a lot of healthcare. Right? Yeah, and, and it is hard to just, it's hard to put that out there, you know, and kind of get past that where it doesn't sound swarmy and salesy, but, you know, where you're actually putting out, you know, this is a service, this service mm-hmm. is, is a value to our clients, and I've learned through the last, you know, number of years that our, my clients will purchase what they see value in. And, exactly. You, you know, they don't purchase, they they don't purchase anything unless they really feel like it's going to be valuable to them. And so we offer a great deal of value and we just started learning to emphasize the value points. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the most part, we don't have very many objections. If the objections are coming in, they're usually coming in in the beginning and we know they're not our ideal clients. So Mm -hmm. we don't worry about it too much. Um, The first year it was nerve wracking. I will say that it was, it was nerve wracking because you just, you never know. And we learned quickly um, I think the most the the best thing about it was we learned with you know there was a steep wall to climb up when you open your own business for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
And I didn't, we didn't realize how steep that wall was going to be, but it was steep and it's okay. It's, it's, you know, it's pretty much vertical. I know, right. It's probably, it's probably best we didn't know because that might've been just one more, you know, thing to have to, you know, one more piece to have to overcome. But right. um, one of the things we learned right away was um, our typical referral sources were still very happy to send people to us, mm-hmm. but they were not the front gate for us, you know, right. because. Clients came, you know, the doctor would say, go see Susan or Rebecca, this is where you need to be. And then they came in expecting, you know, they didn't know anything about us. And so the deep, you know, the steep curve was how do we get them to understand our practice model and get them past the the insurance kind of question and, you know, transactional questions, right? Mm -hmm. And then the value-based and by spending time and learning how to do that was great because what we also ended up doing was pivoting and realizing that our basic thrust of marketing needed to move away from the traditional knock on the doctor's door and move out into the rest of the rest of the world and really start becoming very consumer facing mm. and once we started doing that we really noticed a shift in the people that were coming and and uh, mm. calling for appointments and inquiring about services and wanting to know i think it was the first time many people felt like i can access this kind of health care all by myself i don't have to have anybody right. tell me go. I can call them up myself. They'll answer my questions. I want to work with those people. I saw them at such and such a, you know, um, a workshop that they put on in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, I see them around. They're right down the street in my neighborhood. And it really was a game changer for us to really make that flip from uh, the traditional marketing as physical therapy and an insurance driven kind of commodity to really getting out there and uh, doing the consumer facing uh, work and it was also a lot more fun because then we were really talking to people about their real issues and not talking to people who didn't care that we needed their referrals you know so and it's not that physicians don't care they don't have any time you know they're just like here go here I mean you know they've got less and less time than they usually have so it was just nice to be able to start to really take it you know take the take the message to the people right right you know that's great so is Embody Physio your first business it is my first business okay I love that Uh I, I just comment you said you've been a PT for 40 years mm-hmm. so you started your first business after 32 years in practice I did I I I love it no I, I do because I, I run into people that think it's too late or not the right time no, no, or whatever no, 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 no. and yeah it's it's actually been it was the right time for many 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 reasons um, there were you know it just uh, I think everybody's ready when they're ready and, you know, a lot of people, I've heard this story, thank you for bringing that up too, about, you know, being an, uh, somebody in the profession for a while and still finding a new way to really get jazzed about it. Right. Um, as you heard my story, I mean, I've changed kind mm-hmm. of neuro rehab and I was this and, you know, there's always been ways to change around. Um, you know, I remember I was working on my uh, manual therapy fellowship, which I also did a little bit later in my career mm-hmm. and um, some other things. And I remember some of the younger therapists in the particular office I was working in made a comment that, why are you doing all of this right now? Aren't you almost done? And I just, I, I, I couldn't believe my ears, first of all. And then the second thing is like, done with what? I mean, I'm just like getting, you know. With learning, I'm, with growing. Yeah, with, with learning, with growing, with, you know, wanting to tackle a business, doing whatever I want to do. And um, I just was really kind of taken aback by that, you know, because it was like, wow, yeah. this is like, this is what I do. This is my, this is my jam. Right. So um, I had I had branched out to more and more professional teaching as well. And so mm-hmm. the, having my own practice turned out to be just perfect because then I didn't have to, you know, we could build up our practice in the way we wanted to. My partner is very community um, education oriented. Mm-hmm. She's a, a physio yoga teacher as well as, you know, a PT like myself. Mm-hmm. And she really likes the community education and I was much more of an outreach into the professional education world and it just worked out as a place for us to be able to explore our dreams Mm -hmm. and bring the wellness part of integrative practice in that we really wanted to do that we didn't have time to do in our previous practices Mm -hmm. you know in, in in corporate healthcare. 
So we really enjoyed just being able to like stretch our wings and just see what was going to work. We've hosted clinic, you know, before COVID, we hosted a lot of courses at our clinic um, as well, which was also fun. Um, and, you know, so it just allowed, it, it was a great platform for me to really be able to move into um, health and wellness coaching yeah. as well. So that, cause I have a lot of clients I see with persistent pain and we can work, you know, we can, do the physical therapy part, but so many of them need the lifestyle medicine as well. <clears throat> Integrating and optimizing sleep and, and nutrition and mindfulness meditation, joy with movement, those things. And we can explore that a little bit better through our physio yoga arts classes and our the health and wellness programs. And so being able to have our practice really allowed us to, to stretch and grow in that area too for a much more integrative approach. No, that's great. And I want to call out something you kind of alluded to here or mentioned, because um, I've run into it a number of times. I, I've seen people outside of healthcare. <clears throat> I'm thinking of my brother-in-law and some other folks that look at, and, and I, a lot of business people, entrepreneurs I see, they see a bigger practice, a corporate kind of, or multi-location or interstate and operation as preferable because of their experiences and their background in whatever they, they think it brings scale or expertise or something because mm -hmm. of size. And in, in, you know, as you mentioned that it's kind of the opposite. You know, I felt you, that way. Yeah. Well, it, in many cases, I, yeah, I, I also, I would agree that when it's owned by the clinical practitioner, especially a, not, not necessarily small, but when that's the ownership, the, emphases, the values, the prioritization is different. Right, right. And I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, we, we chose to start off this way. And mm -hmm. at first we thought, we'll see how it grows and we'll add in a couple of therapists and do this. Well, we were really in a big position to make a big step growth wise um, prior to COVID. We were looking at the, you know, beginning of the year last year as like, here we are. We finally, we have, you know, we were really like everything coming together. Yeah. We were like really talking about, okay, you know, what are we going to do? We have some more space here. We can kind of open it into it. You know, do we want to uh, bring on, you know, two part-timers? Do we want to, how do we want to do this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then COVID hit. And so it kind of all went kind of crashed <laughs> right. down around your ears, right? Like everybody had said, you know, we were kind of then all of a sudden trying to figure out maybe we shouldn't even be in the clinic. Maybe we need to do what the community's doing and flatten the curve. And, you know, uh, my partner quickly took her yoga classes and put them online mm -hmm. and started the live stream classes. And um, I, you know, started working with, got in touch with all my clients and first made sure they were safe. Mm -hmm. but then we went to telehealth as quick as we possibly could. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I had been doing distance consultations and coaching for a while, you know, over, you know, the phone or Zoom or whatever. Right. But it was it was interesting to move more into the physical therapy realm of realm of things. And if you are a practitioner that really wants to be more into the biopsychosocial world and can't make that jump, do telehealth because it'll happen every time. Talk about helping clients find self-efficacy and figuring out their own stuff with them because you can't touch them. So you really get, it really opens the door for a lot of creativity. And um, right. to this day, we're back in the clinic now. Um, and we're, you know, working to kind of bring our practice back in, in the way that we really wanted it to be before COVID. Um, but there's parts of it that aren't going to change. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. And the first part of it that isn't going to change is that we are going to keep and maintain hybrid appointments. Mm -hmm. And the, and all of my clients that I see for the first time all come onto the telehealth platform with me and I do my mm -hmm. full intake and even some beginnings of movement assessment and things with them ahead of time. So because we're all still wearing masks when they come into the clinic, they've already seen me, they've seen my face, you know, we've seen right. each other and we're not having to kind of you know, wonder what that person looks like behind the mask, you know, <laughs> right. and, and which is, you know, it, but, you know Show makes, a picture. <laughs> exactly, you know, but you know, when you're dealing with people with persistent pain and particularly something as intimate as female, you know, pelvic pain, sometimes you need to, I think that that has added a degree of confidence and, and comfort 
so that when they do come in the door, they've already heard me. We've already talked about a number of things. They've already right. had some things to consider and work on. Right. So by the time we get together in person, um, some of those barriers are already coming down. No, that's and, great. Um, so that's something we're going to keep um, as yeah. we move forward. The other thing is, is that it has been such a changer for many of our clients to be able to say, you know, next week I want to do a telehealth appointment. I'm really busy. Mm-hmm. And by eliminating that commute, right. they love being able to like, okay, I'm ready. Turn on the computer. Here I am. Let's do PT. And that's been, that's been interesting for a lot of people that they really have gravitated and really like the convenience of it. So can really get people to, you know, they just, they tend to, they have a choice, you know, they, I can go in and mm-hmm. see her, I can do it telehealth today, but they get more visits in we've noticed because it's such, so much more, con- the convenience factor is there for them sure. and they see, and they see the value in the telehealth practice, which is nice. And then for our, our, our clients that we see that are postpartum, it's a game changer for them. Oh, because, yeah, I imagine. Because a... they don't have to find babysitters for their little babies and their children and their right. toddlers. And they can't, you know, they, they love it. They absolutely love being able to just, you know, have the chaos going on in their house and just turn on the, the, the thing and get right to their PT Right. And, you know, and, and feel comfortable and confident not having to get out of the house or take little ones out of the house or, you know, track down babysitters. So that that part of it will probably stay, too, because there's so much value in those early postpartum days right. for women to access uh, physical therapy quicker and faster than they would have normally. So. Well, I, I love that because, I mean, I, I was a coaching client on kind of a telehealth platform like this 10 years ago right, a decade ago, and um, my coach was in New Zealand, right, mm-hmm. and you, you start taking that and taking the parallels now to healthcare. I've been an advocate for that for a long time, but it was, it was hard to get buy-in. It was hard to get buy-in from clinicians, from practitioners. Mm-hmm. It was hard to get buy-in from patients, but what you're talking about was exactly, I, I think, exactly it. You're removing barriers. You're removing obstacles, because there will be people that are listening that are like, wait, you're charging you're charging your own price point, you're charging what you want. And that's, you know, a problem, right? But think about the full investment a patient is making to Mm -hmm. get to you. It's Mm -hmm. not just the money, it's the time, it's the inconvenience, it's the missed work, it's the getting a babysitter, it's all those other things. Prioritizing themselves, self-care. Right. Things that we tend to put to the side. (laughs) Well, and especially when you're a new mother or, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I I love it. So you're really, this idea of like, people talk about being customer-centric, patient-centric, but I love your examples because this is it in action. Yeah, that that was our COVID gift Mm -hmm. was a lot of removing of barriers and just, you know, my partner said in the beginning when she was doing, putting her yoga classes online, you know, we, we've always taken, we try to kind of do a a script, flip the script whenever we hear each other getting a little on the negative side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her big script flip was, you know, I'm going to be a better teacher. This is going to make me a better teacher. And, you know, but what ended up happening was she ended up getting more people from out of state coming Mm -hmm. in you know and from away from the community so she has a a larger community now that that comes into her classes because they can access from anywhere exactly um you know and and it's you know it's just been like i said you know the big gift for for me and for us has been just really being able to to bring that convenience factor and really have people you know just the self-efficacy of the the fact that they have learned you know, they don't need me to put my fingers on them to learn how to do an effective scar massage. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we just we just do it like we would, but they're at home and they're comfortable and they're in their own home. And, you know, we, we've all gotten used to the kitty cats and the puppy dogs walking across the screen and, <laughs> <laughs> and all the things that you see with everything. But, you know, just being able to kind of, you know, like, let me show you exactly what I'm talking about. And they can take the computer right into their kitchen and say this. Right. This is what I'm talking about. 
or you know that you know they can pick their baby up and walk around with their baby and we can you know you know and i'm just like well keep holding your baby for the next 10 minutes because it usually takes 20 minutes for their back pain to come on and we do other things and i say okay now how are you feeling let me see what you look like you know back right. up a bit. let's let's take a look at it let's watch and let's see what's happening here um you know in a lot of patients with pain it's really tough to get out of the house sure you know, yeah. so we can really just kind of like I can meet them where they are, literally. And right. it's been it's been it's just been so nice to really have that. There, there's always a place for them to be in and, you know, person. Definitely. And I whenever they want to come in, I encourage them to come in because well, um, it's good to get out of the house. It is good to do some different things. But it's so nice right. for the ones that are just like, you know what, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even come this week if we couldn't have done it this way. They would have just completely said, I hurt too bad. I wasn't going to come in at all this week. But being able to kind of like hang out on the couch and turn on their computer and really kind of, you know, get them moving and get them doing something a little bit different. They didn't have to get in a car. It was, you know, just has really helped people kind of move along the continuum, I think, a little bit more effectively. Right. I love that you said meet them where they are, because I, I don't think enough practitioners are thinking about you know, they can do telehealth on a device like this, right? Mm -hmm. And take you to the gym yeah. or on their run exactly. after an hour or at the outdoor workout spot, you know, overlooking the bay or, you know, wherever they are on a hike. And mm -hmm. now you can see what's actually going on in real life, not in your artificial environment in the clinic. Mm -hmm. So no, that's cool. Exactly. Yep. So tell me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's okay. We do. I, I actually even did a... Uh, I had a gentleman who wanted to uh, work on his golf swing. I'd been seeing him for shoulder mm -hmm. problems right. for a while. And, you know, and he was, you know, I have room in my clinic for him to bring his driver in, but he wanted to do it outside on the grass. Mm -hmm. Would I meet him there? And I said, <clears throat> are you going with your friend? And he goes, well, mm -hmm. yeah, but my buddies will be there. And I said, good, then just, we'll just set up the time and get on. And they did, they held the phone and right. of course you get all the peanut gallery comments <laughs> in to what's going on, which is always a little bit fun. Um, you know, but it was great because he had on his shoes, he was on the grass you know, there was like, it was just, it was real. Well, that's marketing too, because whoever he was with just learned yep. what you can do. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's go back to when you started. Um, how did, tell me a little bit more about how you got started when you said in, you know, eight years ago, you guys decided to launch. How did, how did you get started and would you have done anything differently at that time? Knowing what you know. Oh, let's see. So how we got started was mm -hmm. um, we got a hold of a friend who was a lawyer who helped us, you know, do the paperwork and get our tax. Why ID did you number. decide? Well, why did we decide? Yeah. We had this, okay, yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, my partner, Rebecca, and I were working for the same um, corporation. Uh -huh. And we are of similar ages and we always talked about, you know, what would this look like if we did this? What would this look like if it, we did that? We called it our red wine dream. <laughs> we get nice. together after a big department meeting and go out and have a glass of wine and, you know, visit and talk about everything. And, you know, so we him hot around for about three or four years, you know, thinking about mm -hmm. this. Well, if we had a clinic like this, what would we do? And, mm -hmm. and would we charge, would we do it, you know, insurance or not? And, you know, we, so it kind of started growing on its own organically. We got serious about it a year ahead of time. Um, there were some things that came up that just weren't sitting right with me. Um, as far as like dictating particular vacation times, the, the, so there were some cultural changes that were happening in that particular mm -hmm. um, plan. And I just didn't want to be part of it. And I remember sending her an email saying, it's time. And so like, it almost like from that moment forward, you know, we took off and we just like, okay, let's get busy. Let's, you know, I started working on Medicare and our MPI numbers. And she started with the lawyer to get, you know, um, and, you know, tax ID numbers and paperwork done. And we were working right. with a friend who knew the, the uh, real estate for rentals, mm -hmm. business rentals. And, and we just got started and, you know, uh, and got going, I started seeing clients out of my house in my basement room, okay. you know, waiting for our space to get ready. And um, what would we have done different? We probably would have slowed down and interviewed three banks 
Um, and we would have uh, researched it a little bit more about credit card machines. Mm-hmm. And we would have, so we would have done that first of all. And I will say that there are so many, you know, we, we went with the bank merchant service because, you know, that's what you do. You know, you right. have a bank and you do with that. But since then, we have found that you can use merchant service thing you want. with that, with that, yeah, with, a, with right. other companies. You know, we didn't want to go with Square and any of those. That didn't right. feel right to us. So, and then the second thing we would have done better earlier, we actually signed on with a company to get a, a our loan was with a, a local company that uh, supports women in business. Mm-hmm. So that was a re- really good move. You know, we, we joined with a, with a women's entrepreneurial group and went to the meetings and met the, the people that were like giving out the grants and the loans and things like that and secured a, a women in business loan. Um, and with it came all these ways to kind of help support your business, but it was not for kind of a healthcare business. So right. we didn't learn enough about marketing in the beginning when we got started. And so we were really scrambling, I would have to say for about seven or eight months, really trying to get people in the door, you know, trying to figure out creative ways to get them in the door. If I had if if I knew now, if I knew then, if I knew then what I know now, right. <laughs> the old right. saying goes, right? Um, I would have probably um, taken a course from one of the, you know, there's so many of them out there now. I think I you I heard that, you know, you run a course too. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten with somebody who really understands consumer marketing from the physical therapy point of view mm-hmm. and, and really would have started with consumer marketing before we opened our doors. Okay. Okay. So we had enough clients that loved us and found us and wanted to come see us because we'd been established in the area for a while, which kind of floated us through. Mm-hmm. But we would have been a lot better off a lot faster had we taken our marketing straight to the consumer and okay. really spent more time really not worrying about uh, physician referrals. But, you know, I'm fighting over that 10% of the market, but you know, really going to the other parts, you know, to the, to the, you know, yoga studios and the CrossFit gyms and, and things that we eventually did, we just didn't do it fast enough. Right. And for anybody listening, I think one of the keys to that, you know, just as a a quick aside is really being clear about who your target customer is. And when I say that, not in a traditional demographic sense. Okay. So I'm a big proponent of more of a psychographic who are the people, think about who the people are that you love working with. That's your first person on Monday morning, your last person on Friday afternoon that you're like, this is a great way to go into the weekend. And what do they have in common? And then figure out what they want, where else they are and go there. Talk to them there. Solve their number one problem. Right. And you have to niche down to do it. So that was the second thing that we learned. Right was that we learned we had to niche down and people are like you're so niche already you're pel- you know your pelvic health your women's health and it's like <laughs> you know how big that c is uh, you know and the marketing gets confusing i didn't understand that you know so right. if you talk about this to this group and this to this group the next time and this they're like what is it that you actually do you confuse the people you confuse the market yeah so we started right. off our very first when we really got serious and really pulled it into like now we're ready to really develop our target market mm-hmm. and we really got serious and niche down. It was a, um, our very first, you know, one that we really put together and really got serious about was basically one that I still work with today. I'm 51 mm-hmm. to 61 year old female with back pain and incontinence. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, you know, and, it's, a- and that just like, boom. What, what problems are they having? Mm-hmm. Who are they? Where, where, you know, what are they not doing? You know, why aren't they doing it? What is society telling them? You know, what are their <laughs> friends talking about? So we really, really played the game, you know, did the whole develop the avatar and it made mm-hmm. a tremendous difference. I can't even tell you, it made such a difference. And the interesting thing about it is, is I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of, you know, your clients and other PT mm-hmm. owners and healthcare businesses is that the other people still find you. Right. Well, and that we ended up perfect. developing a whole, a, <laughs> we ended up developing a whole postpartum because they, they still, even though all of our marketing was to this female and we had plenty of them coming in the door, we ended up developing a whole postpartum market because they found this too. And we weren't well, even marketing to them. So this know, is another, just, 
sorry, another great That's lesson. Okay. You got me all excited because uh, <laughs> you're th- this is a completely counterintuitive and absolutely essential lesson that you're sharing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the irony is the more narrowly you focus, the more specific you are, the more people you will attract. And the, and the way that works is what you just said, you're making, you're, you're thinking and considering that individual in every decision you make, mm-hmm. right? Your offerings, your marketing, your messaging, your, you Everything. Know, your process, all the touch points. But in doing so, you make it awesome for them, mm-hmm. right? And when you make it awesome for them, it gets really, really good for a whole lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And I would never have <laughs> believed that. Not, I mean, I thought, right. that, I can't tell you how much I thought this. I was like, this is never get- going to work. You know, what about all those people over there? What about this? What about that? I was the, I was the biggest, loudest critic of this whole thing. And then it was just like, you know, like everything else, it was just, just do it. Try it, was it. Like learning, it was like learning pain science neuroeducation. I was terrible at it in the beginning. And, you know, now I can't live without it. But, you know, I it just so I just decided, you know, what well, I'm just going to do it. We're just going to go with it because I will just see what happens. Thinking all the time that this isn't going to work. And boy, was I wrong. Yeah, I just so wrong. Yeah. But that's one of the cool things about having the business. You can experiment and try it. Mm-hmm. And if it works, the payoff's huge. In this case, if it didn't work, what do you lose? Exactly. And so having that, having that particular avatar is what helped me when I went into, because I wanted to do more of the integrative stuff, you know, with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with clients with persistent pain. And that age group and that, those people that's perimenopause to menopause, all my health coaching is around that. And mm-hmm. so it just led right into that. So it was easy mm-hmm. to add that service on to that avatar because everything we already had was heading that way. All of our social media marketing, you right. know, what we were doing, how we were doing it. And it just was an easy, natural extension of services to help round out that population. Yeah, that's, I, I love it. I if I can share two quick things on sure. the same topic, I, I, you're sharing a wonderful lesson. So if, you know, for those who are kind of resistant to this or thinking it's, it, I mean, it is counterintuitive, but as Susan says, it works. So <laughs> I, I would never believe it, but it does. Well, I went through <laughs> with a client and we, he was kind of questioning, not resistant, but questioning and uncertain and, you know, on this principle. And we talked about, you know, in that case, the target customer was a running athlete and really more of an endurance running athlete, but he could work with speed and other things too, and any running athlete. And all we did was go on Facebook and look, and I know there's problem, that's problematic in some senses anyway, but we went on Facebook and narrowed down, like made a mock ad and looked at the audience of all the people who were interested in running, subscribe to Runner's World, running magazines, all this stuff, and did a, you know, we said, okay, let's do a 15 mile radius or a 10 mile radius. And there were 280,000 people, mm-hmm. right, on Facebook who had this, these interests. And I'm like, can you serve that many people? And he's like, well, no, there's no way we'd have to, you know, do, I don't even know how we do it. Okay. How many of those people know about you? And, you know, 1%. Maybe if you're really optimistic, 5%. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so that market is at least 20 times as big as what you're already reaching. How does that, I mean, start there? Yeah. Right? The other one was if for anybody else who's kind of curious, go on Instagram and look up Benji Johnson catching. Okay. So if you want to talk about a niche, Benji works with baseball catchers. That's it. It's got over 52,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> right? And that's a specific group that needs a specific thing. Right, right. Because but The only who, people who do what catchers do are catchers. That's it. Who would have thought there were 30, 40, 50,000 of them, though, that would follow you on social media? That's amazing, right? right? So it's so amazing. Yeah, it's not even baseball players. It's catchers, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, you know, for anybody listening to this, watching, play around with that, experiment with it and, you know, do, do the experiment, try it, mm-hmm. see if it works. Yeah. Uh, we've even niched down more to where, I mean, they may or may not have incontinence, but they definitely have pain, mm-hmm. you know, right. and um, 
because you know the that was too big <laughs> you know we had to kind of like make it a little bit smaller to get more specific mm-hmm. so that our marketing could be more targeted and i said you know just leave incontinence off they already know they're incontinent we don't need to tell them they are but right. they're interested in their pain if you if you so when we asked clients as they came in the door where their priorities were, because they all come in with, they have urgency, frequency, they have pain, they have this, they have, you know, they, they tick off the list. And hands down, every single one of them will tell you the pain is their priority. Well, and it was like, then our marketing needs to be right to that. That's their number one thing. And yeah, if we can clear up the incontinence and the other stuff too, that'd be fantastic. But we need to get rid of this. You know, this is what I want. That's why I'm in the door. Mm-hmm. This is a treasure trove because you—that's another great lesson um, for all the small business owners. You—you you just expressed one of your unfair advantages, mm-hmm. right? Think about the, the in the corporate world and the bigger businesses. The people making those decisions are not talking directly with their target customers. Exactly. And you're dealing with them every day, mm-hmm. right? So for folks listening to this, if you can pick up the phone and talk to your target customers, if you can go in the you know into the clinic, talk to them, um, you know, get on a Zoom call with three or five of them and just start talking to them, have the, you know, have the conversation. That is a huge unfair advantage that you have mm-hmm. over any of the bigger, bigger players. So thank you for such, sharing that. Yeah, no, I'm happy to because it's, it's such an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I hear this all the time. You know, I have a podcast on treating the complex patient. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, one of the things that we talk about all the time, because people are like, they come in and they're, you know, their patient has all the stuff scribbled all over the body diagram. Right, and right. I don't even know where to start. And it's like, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Just ask them where they want you to start. That's it. Right. What's the most important thing to you? Exactly, because that's what matters. Right. It doesn't really matter what you think. It matters what they think. And so it's just has been such, you know, they've been such a gift. I've always said my client is my, you know, this is how I've learned. You know, people ask me, how did you know to do this or this? It's like the person standing in front of me. But for business, it's been even more so that because your clients will really tell you where your business needs to go and how they want to be cared for and what they want from you when they come in the door and what they want to leave with when they get out the door. And they are just such, like you said, they're a treasure trove of information and just ask them. They're so happy to tell you. Well, and that's the, that's the, exactly the point they are. You have to engage them, mm-hmm. you know, and then follow through, do something with it. But mm-hmm. yeah, they will tell you you're exactly right. So awesome. Well, thank you for that too. Cause I feel like, I feel like you're my ringer or a plant right now. And I promise <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> we, did, we didn't, didn't know s- what the questions were ahead of time. <laughs> no, 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 I did. I did not set Dr. Clinton up to say all the things that I like to say. Um, but, but no, well, great, great lessons. Um, mm-hmm. So another one though, that you might have some really good insights on, you know, as business owners and, you know, all the other hats that we wear in life, right? As mm-hmm. partner, spouse, parent, child, you know, everything else. Um, most business centers, we feel like we're pulled in a lot of directions and we have trouble or a lot have trouble managing their time, right? Mm-hmm. So what advice, what things have you learned um, that might help someone who's struggling with not having enough time? Um, that's a great question. It is such a great question. And it's the age old question that I hear all across the board. The first thing is that I will tell everybody is that multitasking doesn't work. Right. Okay. Right. Just, just so you know, it's a lie we've told ourselves and we've mm-hmm. believed um, because our brain can only pay attention to one thing at a time. Right. So if we need to go back to the evidence to help us be better business owners, just like we would for, pra- you know, for practicing and treating, then we need to look at that, that the brain can only do one thing at a time and it can only do it for so long. Mm-hmm. And so I have bought straight into, and you, I think you uh, interviewed Heather uh, Chauvin mm-hmm. or, or yes. Coven, is how Coven, I pronounce yeah. her last name. Yeah, with Go Go Done. Um, I, I have been a big believer um, in the Pomodoro technique, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, just a little 20 minute, I call them mind sprints, basically. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I set up, I set up 20 minute time to get things done. And so as I go through my schedule, and I see 20 minutes, I'll kind of mark it off, I'll put like a 
yellow line through it and I'll know that that's whatever needs to get done. Like if it's my emails, 20 minutes, nothing else. I'm getting my emails done and right. making a list off of them or this needs to be turned in or this needs to be done. And I do them in, in these, in these, what I call mind sprints. And by doing, even if you, you know, people look at this and they think, well, that's not enough to get things done all week long, but you can get more done in that quick 20 minutes and you're going to get done in two hours. If you schedule two hours, that's me. That's how I work the right. best. When it's the creative process, I need a little bit longer time because I have to drift in and out. Like if I'm going to write some blogs or if I'm going to work on a course and I'm going to teach, then I do need more time. But I still try to keep it as what can I get done in this 20 minutes and then I'll let my brain drift for a little bit and I'll come back to it. Right. Um, so, but I think just really being able to have boundaries across, if all you have is an hour once a week to work on stuff, then do whatever you need to do to build boundaries around that hour and hold yourself to it. Because one hour every week is four hours a month that would have never gotten done if you didn't make that hour mm -hmm. in there. So if you've got 20 minutes a day, mark it, use it, make it sacred. And by the end of the week, you will have done, you know, uh, five 20 minute segments. And you're probably going to get more done than just that. But if you have that done and you can be consistent with that, you'll be amazed at what you can get done every time. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, be a really good clinician. If you're a practice owner and a clinician, um, don't put things off. When you, you know, your patient, I, I put boundaries around times with my patients and that boundary means the notes need to be done too. Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like, I just make sure it all happens in that particular time and then move on. So try not to put things to the side that you think, oh, I'll have plenty of time later. It's like, this is the time. My patient time is, is, is already boundaried into my schedule. So I finish this. Mm -hmm. I take the time to finish this last piece up and then I move on. And so that, that little bit of discipline around those boundary times, I think are hugely helpful because we do have a tendency to get pulled in a thousand different directions um, all day long. Sure. The other thing that I will say is that if you don't have the money to hire somebody to help you do some of the things that you're not good at, then get with a community and do kind of a mastermind and say, I'm a great writer. You're a great graphic person. You're a great this person and share the load. I'll do graphics oh. for you. Do the, if you'll do copy editing so you can look to your community there's a lot of people out there look to your community and see who's good at stuff and they don't have to be a pt business owner it can be mm -hmm. it can be the sweet shop down the street you know and right. they're really great at like making really cool graphics and it's like but you know they're they always misspell words i don't know you can <laughs> you can get with them and you can do some trades you know but but try to offload the stuff that you don't want to do and you're not good at because that's the stuff that's going to slow you down every single time you know when you don't want to do it guess what you're going to procrastinate and then other things will get procrastinated because that's the stumbling block. You you're, you know, so figure out a way to either get some help with it or, you know, farm it out or do what you need to do because it may even be well worth the money to farm out some stuff um, so that you can really be super, super productive on the things that you're really super good at. Right. No, I, that's, that's brilliant because you know, again, a lot of people are going to react to that and be reluctant, if not resistant mm -hmm. to it, because that's not what we're taught in school. Oh, I know. You know, and we, and we go through, well, and I think about this a lot when, um, particularly if you're hiring. Okay. So mm -hmm. when we've got more experience, we've been away from school for 20, 30 years or more, we, you know, might lose track of some of this, but particularly if you're hiring, if you're hiring a 26 year old, right, with a doctorate degree, who literally was in school for 20 years, okay, who was taught in essence in school to be right and do it by themselves, so they're not great collaborators yet, right, but the other thing is they're taught to work on their weaknesses, and Dave Rendell said this one time, and I loved it, he's Brilliant. like, if you, work, if you work on your weaknesses, all you can hope for is mediocrity, mm -hmm. so. Love it. That is such a great thing to say and a great way to, that's what I would call flipping the script. Don't work on what you're bad at, work at what you're good at. 
Well, and he takes it a step further too and looks at like, figure out where your weaknesses are actually strengths because very often the things that you've been told are your weaknesses are a strength in a different context. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in his case, he tells stories about talking too much in school and being hyperactive. And now, of course, he runs marathons and he gets paid for being on stage talking to people, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so you just shift your context mm-hmm. and play to your strengths. And, you know, it, but yeah, anyway, that that's one of those things that play to your strengths, get other people to augment the things that you you either don't want to do or don't like to do or aren't good at. And uh, no, that's... I love the co-op approach too. It's genius. So, so many great things so far already. Um, one other thing I, I run into a, a lot with business owners and when, when people, particularly when like new clients or potential clients reach out or, or talk to me, they need help with something and they feel like they're the only one in the world going through this challenge or problem. And, you know, my advantage is I get to see behind the curtain on so many different businesses mm-hmm. and, and my experiences with EO before that and others we're all facing challenges. Absolutely. It's not, you're not alone. So what, what kind of challenges are you facing right now? And what are you, how are you working to overcome them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Every five years I sit down with my husband and we try to kind of look at where the next five years are going to take us. COVID has been a big challenge for us. Um, He and I disruption. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, it also is happening at a time of our life when, um, He's looking at another couple of years before he retires from the university he teaches at. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of like thinking the shift, like where, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? You know, how am I going to work virtually and still maintain some ownership with the name, the business, even though I may not be in the same physical locality. Right. So some of the challenges that, that we're coming up against is how do we keep growing our practice in the midst of, you know, uh, my partner? and I being at kind of these, uh, this next period of life change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so is it time to sell part of it? Is it time to bring somebody else on and back out? Those are some of the, it's, I think our challenges right now are a little bit more growth oriented, like which direction do we grow in? Sure. How do we support more, you know, so that the physical, the people who want the physical help here can get it, but we can be kind of more, you know, ancillary, doing more virtual work and, and other things. So I think that that's kind of where we are with everything right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, but that's a good place to be. It's a challenge, but it's also actually kind of, you know, it's, it brings out a lot of creativity, which I think is fun because, Instead of looking at, oh, it only has to be this way. You have your practice and you build it up and then you bring somebody on and then you sell it to them and you leave. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think like mm-hmm. that anymore. Now I'm thinking like, how can we make this work in a really different way that right. can still serve our clients the way we want to, but it can also serve us. So when my partner and I opened our practice, we had three tenants that we work off of that are kind of our pillars of our practice. And our business basically is um, one of it is excellence and and client, you know, patient care, whatever that is with the physio yoga, with the health coaching, with the PT services, you know, the other one is excellence and and community and professional education. And then the third one, which is like hugely important is excellence and proficiency in our own self-care, which was one of the reasons we started this practice so that we could care for ourselves as practitioners as well as care for others you know right. so we're we this is where that that tenant is going to start coming up a little bit larger again you know each one of them have a different focus at different times right sure. now the education one is more live online i'm not traveling but the ha- you know the self-care one has come up because of covid but it's also coming up because we're kind of in a little bit of you know facing some transitions in you know the next couple of years and how we do that in order to kind of still maximize and, and keep and grow the things that we have, but in a different direction than we mm-hmm. would have been thinking about four years ago. Right, right. No, that's great. That's great. So um, kind of following up on that, what's one of the biggest things you've learned recently that you wish you had known, you know, eight, 10 years ago when before when you were starting the business? So that would be niching down. Okay, <laughs> going back to that, yeah. I would, I would have to just say that's like the this last couple of years. You know, it has been when I was telling you before COVID when we were positioned, right. it was because we had done so much work on that niching part. 
Right. You know, and I really, you know, if I, when I went back and said, you know, what do I, if I knew then what I know now, you know, mm-hmm. consumer facing marketing, um, but also the, you know, just really being okay with, you know, just really taking that and really getting to know that avatar and really just targeting the market without fear. Um, you know, realizing that that's going to be a potential for growth and not a potential for like, I think. I always looked at it like a pigeonhole and it's not a pigeonhole. So. Right. Again, totally counterintuitive, but you're, Mm -hmm. uh, you're absolutely right. So no, I love it. Um, So do you have any favorite resources, books, articles, anything you're reading recently that might help another business owner? Oh, books, articles, resources. Um, I would have to say if people haven't read the go giver series, Mm -hmm. that's a really fun one to wrap your head around. Okay. Go give ourselves more. I don't have them sitting here next to me. There's there's three or four of them, but I really like those books. They're just like they take it. It's where I learned a lot more. Kind of helps solidify the value based. You know that I'm what I'm offering is something that people value. I'm offering a service that they value because it's going to solve their number one problem. Right. And um, the. Go Giver Books has a lot of great, you know, stories and, you know, ideas and, you know, just quick things. It's like one of those books that whenever you don't know what to do, pick it up and turn and you'll find something in there that's worthwhile that'll kind of like, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> that awesome. and, and anything that you can do on creating your own vision board. Mm-hmm. Because I think a vision board helps keep front and center in a non-linear fashion, what's important to you with your practice. And that's where our three tenants live is I have a vision board at home. We have one that's a joint board here at work. And then Becky has her own at her, you know, we're in her room or her place. And, you know, I just think that it changes. Mine changed since COVID travel got smaller, a stairway with a window got bigger. You know, I moved things around and did things differently because it needed to reflect, you know, where I actually was and what was going to be coming ahead versus what was happening two years ago. And And those can be, the thing about a vision board just helps center you and remind you when the going gets tough, that that's the reason I'm doing this. When I look at the vision, yeah, focus on the right things. Yeah, put you put you back into perspective of why did I do this in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) That's huge. There's days that we think that way, so it's really nice to to actually kind of have that and go, oh yeah, because of that, you know, and 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 it makes it really, it just it really helps, it really helps center and ground me on those days. No, that's great having that touchstone as to why you decided to embark on this crazy journey in the first place mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when you're mired in some of the day-to-day stuff yeah we've all, <laughs> we've all been there um so that though that's another another great lesson well dr clinton you're just chock full of great lessons and stories so really really appreciate it are there any other thoughts you'd like to leave leave our listeners with um just do it <laughs> don't be it just really seriously do not be a perfectionist just do it i know i hate to sound like a nike commercial but you know it, there really is that's a, so, such a simple slogan you know it's just you know just put one foot in front of the other and go for it uh, and yes you'll fail yes you'll have problems but you know what it's so worth it um because the freedom and the ability to really have your own you know just just have your mark on you know where you want to go and how you want to do it it's just it's it's thrilling and it's freeing and it's very creative and um you know just go for it well, well thank you so much fence, for that go for it yep absolutely <laughs> action right action yes always always action okay awesome well thank you very very much for for being here and doing this uh i I do kind of feel like you're a plant and people are going to be suspicious, but <laughs> but a ton of great lessons and I hope they get great value out of, out of listening to it. Yes. So thank you again. Yes. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for listening.